starting is Zion. <coughs> In your copies, it's on page Nunches. <coughs> In the English, chapter 7. of the So, I told you yesterday, up to this point, we split up mitzvahs into two categories. There's mitzvahs which could be understood, and mitzvahs which can't be understood. Mitzvahs which could be understood, they include mishpatim and edes. Mitzvahs which can't be understood, that's the category of chukim. So, really, it's a split between mishpatim and chukim. Mishpatim are mitzvahs which are understood, and chukim are mitzvahs which aren't understood. Edus, we just threw in, so to speak, together with mishpatim. Right? At this point in the Maimer, we're going to focus on edus. And we're going to bring out, in fact, an advantage that the category of edus has that even chukim doesn't have. Up to this point, we said that chukim is a complete bitl, giving oneself over to Hashem, that is much greater than any other category of mitzvahs, because you're doing what Hashem said because Hashem said it. You're connecting to the level of Ratzain, not as Ratzain, as Hashem's will is descending into Chachma, into logic, but you're connecting to Hashem's will on its essential level. It's a very deep level of connection. Now, we're going to show that in Edis, there's a certain connection which is even higher than Chukim, even greater than Chukim. So let's learn about this inside. Again, as a reminder, what is the category of Edes? What is the category of mitzvahs that fall under the category of Edes? Reminded. What? Reminded. It's mitzvahs that represent something. The example that I've given you is bringing flowers to your wife. So putting on tefillin, keeping Shabbos, eating matzah on Pesach, sitting in a sukkah on sukkahs. They're not logical mitzvahs. But they're mitzvahs that after we do them, tefillin, after we do them, they represent something. So they're not inherently logical, but they're appreciated and understood in the proper context. But the word edis literally means testimony. Because these mitzvahs are a testimony for a yid, that a yid is connected to Hashem. And all mitzvahs, in fact, are edis, are what connect you to Hashem. When you walk around with your tzitzis hanging, swinging as you're walking, with your yarmulke proudly perched on your head, and so on and so forth, it's an edis to the world. It's a testimony to the world of your connection to Hashem. But in order to appreciate the depth of this 
category of mitzvahs of Edis, we're going to go into the concept of testimony. When do you have two people coming to testify something? When Bastin, for example, is sitting and judging, whatever it might be, let's let's say it's the moon. They're judging whether or not the month is going to be 29 days or 30 days. How do they judge whether the month is going to be 29 days or 30 days? Based on the testimony of two witnesses that come and testify that they saw the new moon. If they saw the new moon, then the month is 29 days and you make the 30th day into Rosh Chedesh of the next month and you, you move forward with Rosh Chedesh, right? The concept of testimony implies that the Bastin, the judges, have no way of accessing that information without the witnesses. If the judges just need to put on a um, uh, media link to take a look and see where the new moon is, they could just like turn on a screen and see what's going on outside or whatever it might be. You don't need witnesses. If you need witnesses, the concept of witnesses is that the witnesses are telling the judges information that without those witnesses, they have no access to. Concealed information. But the Maimah is going to take that a step farther. It's not just that witnesses testify concealed information, but there's two types of concealed information. There's Milsa Davidiliglia and Milsa Dileavidiliglia. There's concealed information which, at some point, it's going to become clear to everybody. Everyone's going to find out about it eventually. Just, you don't know about it now. So according to halacha, you don't need witnesses or you don't use witnesses <coughs> for such information either. Witnesses are only for milsa deloy avidiligli. Witnesses are only for information that will never become known other than with the testimony of these witnesses. Okay? <clears throat> Let's read inside now. Ubira inyun ba'imek yaisir. To understand this idea in greater depth. We'll, first, we'll understand through first prefacing the idea of this category of mitzvahs called edis, which are mitzvahs which are testimonies. Shegam inyin This idea, just like we said in the last two chapters, that the concept of of Mishpatim exists by all mitzvahs. All mitzvahs have an aspect of mishpatim in them because all mitzvahs ultimately flow through Seder Hishtalshus and therefore they have some reason, some specific accomplishment. And we said also in our Avedis Hashem, we always judge whether something is appropriate or inappropriate, etc. And all mitzvahs have an aspect of chukim because ultimately all mitzvahs originate from Hashem's will, which is beyond logic and therefore 
when we don't steal, we don't steal because Hashem said so, not because stealing is an immoral act. The same is true with Edis. All mitzvahs have an aspect of Edis to them. That's what the Maimir says so far. Gamba mitzvahs to chukim mishpatim in the parentheses. Even the mitzvahs of chukim mishpatim have an aspect of Edis. Al derech and esbar lel ben egel mishpatim chukim, just like we explained earlier with regard to mishpatim and chukim. Va'inyinu, and the idea is as follows. Kameisha mevar bal ha'gaula, like the Frida Karebbe explains, so there's a mimer of the Fidika Rabbi with this Dibra Maschal Vayakam established Eidus Biyakiv. So it refers over here to mitzvahs with the term Eidus, but it's referring to all mitzvahs with this term Eidus. And over there, the Fidika Rabbi explains the Masha mitzvahs, this is not the mitzvahs. <coughs> <coughs> Even the mitzvahs of chukim of mishpatim and chukim, the crime they're called edus. It's because they draw down, umegalim, and they reveal halem haatzmi, the essential halem, the essential concealment, the atzmos are in safe of the infinite light of Hashem. Which is higher than the concealment which is possible to be revealed. So basically what we're going to explain going forward, after we emphasize this idea that I already told you. Let, let me read this part inside and then I'll give you the preface. The Kamei just like, the idea of giving testimony, of witnesses, testifying, in the simple sense, who on something which is concealed specifically, like we just discussed. Because on something which is revealed, it's not possible to have edus. It's not possible to have testimony. There's no point of testimony if something is revealed. Because it's revealed. If it's revealed, you don't need people to testify about it. You just look at it and examine it directly. The reason why you need to examine the witnesses is because the witnesses are telling you something that they themselves are telling you and the source of it is from them alone. And the Maimer points out that even something which will eventually become revealed, avida, it will, become revealed. Ein sarachedus, you do not require testimony. Al derech zahu beruchnis. Now the Maimah is going to say the same is true in ruchnis. And basically, what the Maimah is going to explain is that you have three levels, and these three levels are three levels that we need to reflect on properly. There's a level called mimale, a level called seviv, and then a level which is called are in There is a godliness which fills the world, each level according to its level. So, for example, inside of our physical world, you have four categories of creation, inanimate objects, plant life, animal life, human life. Inside of a person, 
you have 248 limbs. Each limb, as we've discussed many times, has its own function, its own purpose. So the energy that fills a rock is not the same as the energy that fills a cow. The energy that fills a cow is not the same as the energy that fills a human being. The energy that fills a pinky is not the same as the energy that fills a heart. The energy that fills the heart is not the same as the energy that fills the brain. Every single one of the 248 limbs has its own function, its own energy, its own mimale. Without the mimale, the person's body is basically like a statue in Madame Tresseau's museum. You ever went? Madame Tresseau's museum. You ever went? Uh, no. Me neither. But I've heard about it. And maybe I did, I'm not sure. I think as a kid I might have gone once. She makes wax figurines, wax, wax statues out of famous people, but it has a tremendous realistic look to it. That if you bump into them, you say, excuse me. So it's a full, proper body. But completely lifeless. That's the point. Lifeless. It has no life. (coughs) So what is the energy that fills the body? The energy that fills the body is an energy that brings the body to life. (coughs) You could construct in a laboratory, perhaps, if not yet, then in a few years, a perfect body with flesh and blood, a heart, kidneys, and um, uh, every part of the body. Perfectly constructed. But you can't bring it to life. You can't make it alive. Life is not something which you can construct in a laboratory. Life is something which fills the body. It's like I don't want to give this example properly because it's not a proper example, Example, as we'll discuss hopefully. Like if you have an electric appliance, so without electricity, it's just a big lunk of metal. But once that has electricity humming through it, then it's functioning on many different levels. Nowadays, your refrigerator tells you the weather and recipes while refrigerating some food and eating other food and so on and so forth. So it has a million different functions that it's doing. All because of the electricity humming through it. And without the electricity humming through it, it's a completely useless nothing. It's just a big block of something which is taking up space. Now, this isn't a proper example, because the life that flows through the body is much greater than the electricity that hums through a a refrigerator, as we'll discuss, but that is the idea of mimale, right? That's the energy that fills the world. Now, if you look at the world around you, it's evident. It's evident to any thinking person. It's elementary that there is God that is giving energy to the world. 
Without God, the world would not exist. You look at the world and you're able to say, Wow. You're able to say, look at this beautiful world which Hashem is creating. That's the Ar Hamimale. Then there's an Ar Hasaviv. There's a surrounding light. What's the surrounding light? The surrounding light is also a logical conclusion. If you look at a world and you see a world that Hashem created and you see that Hashem created it just so. You see that Hashem created it the way that you see it. Logic will bring you to the conclusion that if Hashem was able to create a world like this, Hashem could have created a different world also. A bigger one, a smaller one, a flatter one, a... A a, a, a a taller one and so on and so forth Hashem didn't have to create the world just so so that's the Ar Hasseviv the surrounding light the surrounding light is basically looking at what you do see and what you do know and what you're able to grasp and building off of the shlila, <coughs> the opposite of what you're able to understand. There's a concept called science fiction, right? Mm-hmm. What's science fiction? Stuff that's theoretically possible, but not real. Right. It's theoretically possible, but not real. Stuff that's not theoretically possible, it, it's not, no, no, it's not fiction. Fans. It's not fantasy even. It's it, it's not possible. You cannot imagine something which is not possible. Stuff which is theoretically possible, how do you arrive at science fiction? You arrive at science fiction through looking at what you do see. You see that when you take a step, then your foot falls onto the floor through the power of gravity. And then you imagine in science fiction what would happen if... I would take a step and I wouldn't fall onto the floor and I would just fly in the air. That's science fiction. Science fiction is, I look at what I'm able to do. I'm able to think my thoughts, but not your thoughts. Science fiction is, what if I were able to think your thoughts? A lot of science fiction eventually becomes actuality. Nowadays, they have computers that can read people's thoughts. They're, they're definitely getting much closer. There's computers that are able to go very far beyond anything that anyone would have been able to, to I can't say imagine, because they've imagined it, beyond anything that anybody would have thought possible. 20, 30 years ago, nowadays is able to be done. 100 years ago, certainly. But they have books about it 100 years ago. Why do they have books about it a hundred years ago? In some form or other. Why do they have books about it? Because it's Ar Hasaviv. It's Shlila. It's the opposite of that which we know. There's that which you know. And based on what you know, you're able to derive 
that there's an opposite of that which you know, which also is, in Binyamin's words, theoretically possible. But not practical, not real in our world. That's our asaviv. Then you have a third level. The third level is Hashem Himself. In the three levels that we just discussed, Mishpatim, Edis, and Chukim. Mishpatim is our Hamemale. Chukim is our Hasaviv. Makif. Edis is something which it's, it's Abishter himself. It's our Ein Seif Let me put it to you in other examples. I'll give you two examples. One example is if you throw a ball, right? Now, if you see a ball flying, sailing through the air, you see a ball sailing through the air. When you see this ball sailing through the air, you know that the ball did not throw itself. Isaac Newton's loss, okay. You know that the ball didn't throw itself. So if it's sailing through the air, that means that there's an energy that threw it. The energy that threw it, you're able to see inside of the ball. That energy, the energy of throwing, you're able to see it's mislabish. It's clothing itself inside of the ball. That now this ball is sailing with an energy, which you can't see energy, but you see the effect of that energy clearly in front of you as if you're seeing the energy. Right? Yeah? From the fact that you're able to see the energy of the ball flying through the air, you're able to know that there's a person who has power to throw. Now, he could have thrown a ball, he could have thrown a table or a chair or a bench. He could have thrown the ball straight, he could have thrown it up, or he could have thrown it as a bounce, he could have thrown it harder or weaker, and so on and so forth. That means the soiviv, the possibilities that you don't see in front of you, you're able to derive from that which you see in front of you. If there's someone that had the power to throw the ball, then if you take that power and apply it differently, you would be able to have different results. So that's not mimale, you don't see it in front of you, but it's seviv, it's derived from the shlila, from the opposite of that which you do see in front of you. Good? But there's something that you don't know from seeing the ball flying through the air and its energy, both its mimale energy and its seviv energy, its energy that you're able to perceive directly and its energy that you're able to derive from that which you can see. And that is, where did that power come from? Did it come from a person? Did it come from a gorilla? Or did it come from a pitching machine? A machine that pitches balls. You have no idea. The Seviv and the Mimali you can see, but the source itself you're not able to recognize. That's one mashal. I'll give you another mashal. Another mashal is if you have 
a bunch of words collected on a page. We're learning in Tanya nowadays about letters. Words collected on a page. A sentence, a paragraph, a book, right? So you have a bunch of words collected on a page, on a book. Now, letters themselves are like a body, like a physical body. They're lifeless. When the words are collected in a very specific way, in a very defined manner, with a specific communication, a specific idea which is being conveyed through these words, then you're able to see life (coughs) in that inherently lifeless body. The letters themselves, (coughs) at least the letters that we're familiar with, are inherently lifeless. And if you see them collected in a very specific way, you're able to see an arhamimali. There's an idea inside of them. Whatever the idea that the author chose to convey through this sentence or this paragraph or this book. From the arhamimali, you're able to learn that there's an arhasaviv. That means that if the author was able to conceive this idea in order to be able to convey it to you, you know that the author has the power to conceive other ideas and other communications and other novels or whatever it is that he's writing for you outside of the one that's right in front of you. That's the arhashlila, the arhasaviv, the opposite of that which you see, but you're able to derive it from that which you see, that it exists, that it's real, that it's possible. But there's something that you don't know. You don't know the essence of the person that wrote these words. On some level, you don't know if he really believes the words that he wrote, or if he's writing it for... Sarcastically, that's the most difficult thing that they've had a rough time with, and they're they're slowly teaching AI how to how to identify sarcasm, right? It's not clear if the AI computer that told the journalists that it loves him was speaking sarcastically or not. <laughs> so you don't always, it's, it's not always immediately evident from a body of work whether that, that's actually the essential ideas that this person believes or he's for some reason parroting to you some other ideas whether sarcastically, whether he's being forced to write something that he doesn't want to write, and so on and so forth. You're not able to see that in the words themselves. You're not able to see the essence of the person. What's he like? Is he kind or mean? Is he tall or short? And so on and so forth. Is he fat or thin? There's so many things that you're not able to know from reading the book.
you're reading a book about uh, a self-help book about how to improve your marriage. For all you know, the author has been divorced seven times. You know, Amuka. You know Amuka in Eretz Yisrael? You've heard of Amuka? Amuka is a special place where if you go there and you daven, it's supposed to be a segula for Shaduchim. It's supposed to be a, a, a special way to earn uh, meeting your spouse. So when I was there, when the guy took me there, so he told us, be careful, don't daven too hard. He says, because I brought someone here who davened very hard and he got married three times in two years. So, so there's the Arham and Male, the Arha Seviv, and that which is beyond. None of these examples that I've given are perfect examples, just like the example of the electricity in the refrigerator. But at least they're ideas that bring the idea across that will help us understand as we learn it inside of the Mimer. Let's learn inside of the Mimer. Similarly, it is also in spirituality. Is something which is revealed, that's understood as a result of intellect. As it's known, it says in the verse, from my flesh, I can see God. How can I see God from my flesh? Because if you look at a human being who is alive, it's not like a refrigerator. Even though the energy inside of a refrigerator is somewhat blank, and it theoretically can give energy to anything, practically when that energy, when that electricity is animating the refrigerator, it's just now, refrigerator energy. It's filling each part, and that's what it becomes completely absorbed in. But a human being that's alive is not just animating his body. Your life, Michal, is not just a heart pumping and feet, which now have the power to walk. That's not your life. You have an identity. There's someone inside of you, something, someone inside of you. There's a person over there. Umibsari, from your flesh, you're able to see Eloika, that God exists. Because the life inside of you is godly. And we're talking on a Mimale level still. Even on a Mimale level, it's not just bringing Madame Trousseau's statue to life. It's not just animating, so now it's like a robot that's able to move. It's much more than that. The life inside of you is godly. 
It has an energy which has an inherent godliness to it. The mimale energy already is able to help you recognize God. Understood? When you see a refrigerator, you don't see God in the way that you do when you see a person. And the truth is that that energy really exists in every level of creation, even in the inanimate objects. It's most evident in a human being. When you look at a human being, you're able to see that's a person who's alive with an identity. There's something godly behind it. A person and a cow are not the same. And this comes from the religion that is the most kind to every single creature that exists in the world. And yet, you cannot compare and say that animals have equal rights <coughs> to humans. A human has a certain evident godliness that doesn't exist in other creatures. The Just like it's clear to a person that there is a soul that's giving life to his body. Through this that he feels that his body is alive. He knows clearly that this isn't coming from the body itself. There's a soul that's giving life to his body. The same is true also with regard to the world. That means even though, like I said, in the world, you're not able to see it the same way you're able to see it in a human being, but you can draw a comparison between the life that you're able to recognize inside of a human being and the life that you're able to feel inside of the world. Through this that you see a live world. And this is something, again, that science helps us appreciate on a whole new level. The life that throbs through every part of the universe, even through a rock, a stone, has its own unique DNA, its own unique life energy, its own unique existence. It has a nefesh, it has life. And its life is godly. So, you know that there's a godly energy that's giving life to the world. Then you have the Ur HaSeviv, the surrounding light. It's higher than clothing itself inside of the worlds. That's similar to something which will eventually become clear. Which remember, we said that witnesses do not testify about something which will become clear, just like they don't testify about something which is already clear. That's a helem sheshayich legilu, a concealment which has a relationship to that which is revealed. What's its relationship? Its relationship is that it's the opposite of that which is revealed. An opposite is also a relationship. You're not the opposite of an ant. On a certain level, obviously on some levels you have a relationship to an ant, but on a certain level you have no relationship to an ant as well, at all. 
You could say if you want that me and Binyamin are opposites. Or me and Michal are opposites. But you can't say that me and an ant are opposites. I don't have a relationship to an ant. Opposite is also a relationship. Opposite means that you have a relationship, just a mirror image. You're like this. You're like that. Ukemivur is explained in a number of places. You understand? That's seviv. Seviv is the opposite of mimali. If it's the opposite of mimali, that means it has a relationship to mimali. If it has a relationship to mimali, it's similar to something which will eventually become known because it has a connection to knowledge. Its connection to knowledge is the fact that it's not understood. Right? Uh, Tanya gives the example of an idea. You could say that there's an idea which you're able to grasp, and you could say there's an idea which you're not able to grasp. The idea which you're able to grasp is one which you have the capacity to understand. The idea which you're not able to grasp is beyond your capacity to understand. But you can't say that there's an idea which is so high you can't touch it with your fingers. Because touch and conception, understanding, have no relationship between each other. So you can't contrast the idea being so high that you can't touch it. That doesn't make any sense. It has no relationship. So in anything that you can contrast, it's a, it's, it's a fascinating reflection. Anything that you can contrast automatically has a relationship. Sometimes if you get into a fight with someone, with your roommate, maybe even with your spouse, and the fight is that you are like this and they are like that, you have to realize that the fact that you can contrast yourself to them itself means that there's a certain relationship which exists. Build on that relationship. Build on that relationship. Okay, so that's Milsa the Avida Lagliya. Good. Ukemivur Bekama Mekaimis as it explains in a number of places. Dal Yidei Hahasaga Ba'aramimale through perception, grasping the Aramimale, through understanding the Aramimale which is in front of you, Shemeslabish Bailum, it clothes itself inside of the world. Shahu Ha'ara Bilvad, that that is just a Ha'ara, a ray. Gufa, Shahu Bislabshus, as you're able to see from the very fact that it clothes itself, from the fact that it clothes itself, that means that it's Bislabshus. Mizah Bayim, Lidei Yediyah. That there is a light which is beyond the world. If you're able to understand science, then you're able to, from science, arrive at science fiction. It's the opposite of that which is scientifically true. That's the Ur Hamimale and the Ur Hasevev, an Ur which is Mufla, which is beyond the world. That's the source that from it is drawn the ray which is clothed. 
Machriach Shiesh Lomailo Me'aseichel. This is similar to this, that intellect itself forces you to recognize that there's something which is beyond intellect. That means that you can intellectually come to know that Hashem created the world. And you can intellectually also arrive at a logical conclusion that this, that you know that Hashem created the world through the mamale, through the energy that's around you, you also know that Hashem is greater than His creation. Just like you know that the person who threw the ball is greater than the, he has more potential than just the energy of the ball that you see flying. He's able to do other things as well. The Inyan Ha'edus. So, what's the idea of Edus? Edus is not in the Ar Hasevev. Edus is Ba'atmus Ar It's testimony. When do you give testimony? When do you need witnesses? When you're talking about the essence. Which is higher even than Seviv. It's completely hidden. You can have no knowledge about it. You can have no understanding about it. It's something which is completely beyond everything. It's not even something which can be recognized through contrasting. Seviv can be recognized logically through contrasting. Atmos, you have no perception of whatsoever. But you have Edis. And Edis communicate the essence. I've, I've, in, in, in other Maimarimu, we've come across this idea. So I used the same analogy that I gave you for Edis in order to bring this point across. What's the analogy I gave you for Edis? A husband bringing flowers home to his wife, right? It's Edis. Why is it Edis? Because the flowers are completely meaningless. Completely useless. What are the flowers? They're bringing across a special message from the husband to the wife. Like the story of the guy who's in the fancy perfume store. He chooses out a $200 bottle of perfume to bring home for his wife. So the clerk says, this must be for a special occasion. He says, yeah, it's our anniversary tonight. He says, I'm sure your wife is going to be very surprised to get this beautiful bottle of perfume. So he says, yep, she sure will. She's expecting a pearl necklace. (laughs) So... How do we come to that? Flowers. Oh, Flowers. Oh, right. Thank you. The flowers. So when you bring home flowers to your wife, what are the flowers? They're a message. How do I know that they're a message? Because if someone else brought flowers to my wife, it would be completely meaningless. It would have no message whatsoever. Because the flowers is a edis. It's a testimony on my essential relationship with my wife. 
a relationship which is beyond logic. Higher than Mimale, higher than Seviv. What does it get communicated through? Specifically Edis. Not Mishpatim, which are understood washing the dishes. Not Chukim, the things you do just because those are the things which are important to your spouse. But Edis, something which is bringing across, which is communicating. It's so beautiful, isn't it? That essential relationship which exists between you. This is the mitzvah of Edis as well. The mitzvah of Edis capture that essential relationship which a Jew has with Hashem and it brings down that essential godliness into the world. It's something which is so beautiful. This is why all mitzvahs really are called Edis, not just those mitzvahs which fall into that category directly. Because every single mitzvah ultimately draws down not just the Ratzin, which is but the essence of Hashem, which is higher even than Seviv. Um, what would be the mushal for the... Would it be like, you don't know the author... Yeah, like the, the author in the book that writes, but you know people who know him, or you know people who have said something about, or is it you, you get his personality through the? So no, there's no the, the, in the book. There's no way, and the, the truth is that inside of the book, it's not a perfect analogy, mm-hmm. because ultimately, at the end of the day, if you're smart enough, and the book is clear enough, you're able to pick up a lot about the author. Mm. <coughs> From the book. So it's not a perfect analogy, but that's why I told you. It's an analogy nevertheless, because there is some concept (coughs) of the author which doesn't necessarily become communicated inside of the book, even if it somewhat does. But none of the analogies are perfect to the the, the analog which we're trying to see, which is the Edis Chukam and Mishpatim, which we're describing. Okay. So then the Torah itself knows like Hashem's Atzimus because it's Hashem directly coming down and speaking to the others and speaking to Meishu Rabbeinu and talking to the Eden directly, even Chayrev and so on and so forth. So then that's why, because we said before that Edois is something that on its own we wouldn't be able to understand it. We would almost like I and be Chayev to if we didn't have the, the, the Torah. But because we have the Torah and through the Torah we can understand it, then it's like through... Hashem himself speaking to us, thus we can understand it, thus it literally being a witness to Hashem? Does that make any sense? Yes, it does. And it definitely is accurate. Okay, let's stop over here for today. Okay.